Thank you so much for coming today's class at Srimad Bhagavatam, First Canto, Chapter 6, Text 35. Yamadibir, Yamadibir, Yoga, Yoga, Patahi, 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 Kama, Loba, Pato, Kunda, Sevaya, Yadwa, Tathatmadha, Shamyati, Yamadi Bir Yoga Pathai, Yamadi Bir Yoga Pathai, Kamaloba hato muhu, Bukanda seva yadadwa, Tathatmada nasamyati, Yamadi bir yoga pathai, Kamaloba hato muhu. Mukunda seva yadadwa, Mukunda seva yadadwa, Tatatmadhana samyati, Yamadi vir yoga patai, Kamalopahato muhu, Mukunda seva yadadwa, Mukunda seva yadadwa, Tatmadhana samyati. of practicing self-restraint. Yoga Patahi by the system of yoga. Mystic bodily power to attain the godly stage. Kama desires for sense gratification. Lobha lust for satisfaction. Of the senses. Hataha, curved. Muhu, always. Mukunda, the personality of Godhead. Sivaya, by the service of. Yadwa, as it is. Tata, like that. Atma, the soul. So, Adha, Adha, for all practical purposes. Na, does not. Shamyati, be satisfied. Translation. It is true that by practicing restraint of the senses by the yoga system, one can get relief from the disturbances of desire and lust. But this is not sufficient to give satisfaction to the soul, for this satisfaction is derived from devotional service to the personality of Godhead. So I say you can repeat. It is true 
that by practicing restraint of the senses, by the yoga system, one can get relief from the disturbances of desire and lust. But this is not sufficient to give satisfaction to the soul. For this satisfaction is derived from devotional service to the personality of Godhead. Purport by His Divine Grace, Shiva Isi Bhakti Vedanta Swami, Shiva Prabhupada. Yoga aims at controlling the senses by practice of the mystic process of bodily exercise in sitting, thinking, feeling, willing, concentrating, meditating, and at last being merged into transcendence, one can control the senses. <coughs> the senses are considered like venomous serpents, and the yoga system is just to control them. On the other hand, Nard Muni recommends another method for controlling the senses in the transcendental service of Mukunda, the personality of Godhead. By his experience, he says that devotional service to the Lord is more effective and practical than the system of artificially controlling the senses. In the service uh, of the Lord Mukunda, the senses are transcendentally engaged. Thus, there is no chance of their being engaged in sense gratification. The senses want some engagement. To check them artificially is no check at all, because as soon as there is some opportunity for enjoyment, the serpent-like senses will certainly take advantage of it. There are many such instances in history, just like Vishwamrita Muni's falling a victim to the beauty of Menaka. But Thakur Haridas was allured at midnight by the well-dressed Maya, and still she could not induce that great devotee into her trap. The whole idea is that without devotional service of the Lord, neither the yoga system nor dry philosophical speculation can ever become successful. Pure devotional service of the Lord without being tinged with fruitive work, mystic yoga, or speculative philosophy is the foremost procedure to attain self-realization. <clears throat> Such pure devotional service is transcendental in nature, and the systems of yoga and gyan are subordinate to such a process. When the transcendental devotional service is mixed with a subordinate process, it is no longer transcendental, but is called mixed devotional service. Srila Vyasadeva, the author of Srimad Bhagavatam, will gradually develop all these different systems of transcendental realization in the text. Omajan Timarindasya Gananjanan Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yeda Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Nadanti Swapanantakam Lancha kalpata rubyas cha, kripa sindupe cha, patitanam pavadeyo, aishnavedyo namo namaha. Once again, today's verse, uh, text 35. It is true that by practicing restraint of the senses by the yoga system, one can get relief from the disturbances of desire and lust. But this is not sufficient to give satisfaction to the soul. For this satisfaction is derived from devotional service to the personality of Godhead. You know, another very uh, wonderful verse. Uh, so many times we're seeing so many people uh, around the world and they're trying to, uh, you know, the New Age yoga people, they're trying to do certain things with yoga. Uh, but listen to the list here. Uh, Yoga, by practice of the mystic process of bodily exercise and sitting, thinking, willing, concentrating, of course they do some concentrating, meditating, they do some quasi-meditating, I'm sure, uh, and at last merging into trans transcendence. Does the modern day practice of yoga 
as we witness it in the Western world, does it actually do something uh, for thinking, feeling, wheeling? It's a good exercise. It's very wonderful. It'll make you feel good, you see. But yoga really, to use yoga properly, uh, you need to use it to, to control the senses. Ultimately, the senses have to be controlled, you see. So one would ask, why? Why would somebody want to control the senses? This is tough. This is really difficult. You've got to go through a lot of work. It takes a lot of yoga to control the senses. I don't believe that this is their goal. But we find that here it is the goal. Why? To, to merge into transcendence. What does that mean? To get off the bodily platform and to consider yourself a spirit soul and engage yourself in the loving devotional service of Krishna once you've rid yourself of the, uh, the bodily designation. <coughs> so some people, uh, some uninformed people would say, well, we merge into transcendence so that you can go and merge into the impersonal Brahman. No, that's, the, that's, that's taking a left turn when you should take a right turn. When you get to that point, merging into transcendence, in other words, I'm, I, now I'm, I'm transcendental in my thoughts, my activities, and my words. You see, I'm, I'm not on the bodily platform. So now, let me engage myself in, in the service of the Lord. Well, you can do all that. That's, that's, all, that's very nice. You can exercise and work on your thinking and your willing and your concentrating. But it's really not necessary, you see, because the goal is bhakti yoga. The goal is service of mukunda. So, that's also the process. The process and the goal are one and the same. So, uh, the process uh, of becoming a devotee of Mukunda is to become a devotee of Mukunda. You see, to become a servant of the Lord, you serve the Lord. So, as soon as one takes up the process, he's successful. He already has the goal. He just has to hang on. You see doesn't mean that as soon as I start taking uh, this process seriously that I may have some setbacks and I may have some fall downs. No, that could be there. More than likely for us it will be there, you see. We're going to have to, as they say, take it on the chin once in a while, you know. But we bounce back resiliently and continue on the path stronger than we were. It's just like a fighter, uh, a boxer, well, you know, he trains always practice. Then the first time he gets into the ring, sooner or later he's going to take a punch. You see? Now he knows what it's like to be punched. He didn't know before, but now I know. So now I'm tougher than I was before. Now I know what you have. You see? Now it's not... So actually it will make you stronger. You see? Uh, you, you knock a good fighter down, he just bounces right back up. It's like when we were children, there were these, do you remember these, these punch bags you had that fill sand in the bottom, you punch them and they go down and they just come right back up, you know. You just punch them all day and they'll go down and right back up, you see. So, to be successful on any path, one has to be like that. Whether we're a devotee, or business, book distributor, whatever, you know. Uh, somebody, if you're out there in the lots and somebody says, hey, get out of here, I don't want that stupid book, and I don't like you. What do you do? You just roll right on to the next person. You can't dwell for a second on this nonsense person that you're dealing with. You can't say, if your false ego gets all inflamed, you know, and you start saying, hey, listen, I don't have to take that from you. You know, oh, yeah. you see, the next, so now your day is ruined. Your mood is ruined. And you may go to jail. Who knows? You see? You don't cross, uh, we don't pass go, you don't collect $200, you know, the whole thing. You, you've got yourself in trouble because of your false ego. Uh, the book distributor, when somebody, sometimes people walk right past you like you're not even there. You're holding the book out. Good morning, sir, how are you? They just walk right past you. Not even going to look at you. 
You just let it be like uh, the proverbial uh, water off the duck's back. It just rolls right off. You know? So, in that way, you're being like the lotus flower. The lotus flower is in the water, but it's not wet. You know, have you ever experimented? Have you ever done that? You know, take the leaf of a lotus. I've done that in India. You know, the lotus leaf is in the water. It's obviously in the water. It's got water on top and on the bottom, little drops of water. And you pick the lotus leaf up, and it's dry. You can't feel any water. It's not there. It's dry. It's in the water, but yet it's dry. You see. So, uh, uh, the devotee, when he's distributing books or when he's preaching, sometimes uh, people may heckle. They get, try to give you a hard time. You see. So, the, the way to win when there's a heckler is to not become disturbed. You must remain dira. You remain dira. And if you can do that, it gives you a good feeling. It's a feeling of strength. If you can brush off some <clears throat> foolish person that's trying to beat you down when you're distributing books, it gives you a feeling of strength, doesn't it? If you can roll right off that guy onto the next one and distribute books, you see. So, uh, when we, when we have a challenge, when we have a challenge thrown in our face, it may, it may even knock us down, we just bounce right back. How do we bounce back? What's our condition when we bounce back? Stronger than when we got knocked down. You see? There's a, there's a saying, uh, people say in, in, in sales business, when they hire a new salesman, they say, what do we do? Well, get him on the street and let him get his nose bloodied. You know, getting your nose bloody. You ever heard that term? You know, that means let him get out there and see what it's, let him take a punch or two, you see. Let him taste the real world. So now we're coming from theory into reality. Uh, you can theorize how to distribute books, theorize how to preach. Huh? Then there's reality. You get on the street and you actually distribute books. Or you, you, you preach in whatever way you're preaching. Is, you see. Then you get the actual application of it. You see. So, <clears throat> in all these circumstances, we have to control the senses. You see, how do we control the senses? If we're bhakti yogis and we're not the, the uh, hut yogis or we're not doing the mystic yoga, well, how do we control our senses? Engage our senses in Krishna's service. We engage them. You see. Listen, Maharaj Ambarish, he engaged all of his senses. He engaged his whole body. He engaged his legs in walking to the temple, his eyes in seeing the deity, his ears in hearing the uh, kirtan, his nose in smelling the flowers and the incense, tongue in tasting the prasadam, so on like that. Sometimes people misunderstand. Sometimes even devotees misunderstand our position. They, uh, they believe erroneously that we're not, that we shouldn't enjoy. We as devotees shouldn't enjoy our senses. That's completely wrong. I mean, nobody enjoys like we do. We, we're, we're the biggest enjoyers, but we're transcendental enjoyers. When you engage your senses in Krishna's service, it doesn't mean that your senses are su suffering. It means your senses are now gratified. You're hearing kirtan. You're chanting japa. Chanting japa is pleasure, you see. When we first become devotees, it seems like a chore, you know. Oh, good, i got to chant my rounds. You know, so uh, as time goes by, it becomes a delight to chant my rounds. As a matter of fact, it's very uncomfortable when we're not chanting. If we're someplace and there's nothing going on, we think, oh, hey, why, why am I not chanting, you know, you see. So, uh, we taste wonderful prasadam, the smells that the devotee experiences from early in the morning. You see, all day long, our, our senses are engaged in a very sweet way. Even when we're scrubbing the temple or uh, washing the dishes from the restaurant. You may disagree, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's a, it's a pleasure because I'm, I'm pleasing the deities and I'm pleasing the devotees. You see, I'm doing my service. I'm pleasing Krishna. And I like it. 
this is very nice, you see. So the devotee's senses are under control because they're engaged. And there's so much engagement for the devotee. The devotee stays engaged, you see. Even uh, when the devotee breaks into light conversation, you know, at the end of the day, people engage in light conversation, you know. It's like in the verse yesterday, we're talking, people like to talk nonsense things. They talk about politics and sports and women. And the women talk about men and whatever, you know. Movies, television, music, you see. The devotee engages uh, in discussions of devotional service, pastimes of the Lord, you see. Activities of the devotees. Activities of the previous acharyas. Activities of the current devotees. You see. Activities of your peers. You see. When you even... We don't have to discuss the activities of the elevated acharyas to get a thrill. We can just talk about the activities of, of, our, of ourselves. The devotees right here in this community. Have you noticed that? There are many wonderful people here in this community. Many people, nice people, are continuing to come, you see. So just discussing the activities of what's right here in, in, uh, on our turf is very enlivening. It's very satisfying. So this satisfaction uh, that's discussed in this verse, uh, it's said that that is the greatest austerity in the material world. The hardest thing to do is to be satisfied. People may get it for a split second, but then right on when they, they want. Just like when the new iPhone comes out, everyone's hankering, they stand in line. Some people sleep outside the store when they're gonna when the, the, the new iPhone is gonna be available the next day. You see? And they finally get it. And it's they're ecstatic. And a very short time later, it's just a phone. It's just a phone. It's like that with fashion, <clears throat> movies. Uh, I remember many years ago that uh, there were some devotees in, uh, uh, in Tennessee. And one of the Star, War, uh, Star Wars movies came out. And uh, they were going to go stand in line for two hours to go see the, the Star Wars movie. And I said, well, if you're going to go see it, why go stand in line two hours? Why don't you wait a few days and there won't be a line there at all? Well, I just got to see it. I, I just get, this is the preview. I mean, the, the premiere. I, I, just, I just have to see it. I mean, it's going to be there. It's going to be around forever. You know? So what if you wait a year and watch it on DVD? You know? Or there's these, these lower... Price uh, uh, theaters, you know, you can wait a three weeks or a month, and it'll be at the two-dollar theater. What does it matter? It's going to be the same movie. Why do you have to see it right now? You know. So this is this is letting the mind control us. You see, but I have to. That was the reply I got. But I have to. Okay. So you, if, in other words, your mind is telling you that you have to. You're, 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 not, you're not able to use your mind for anything, you know. I mean, these weren't long-time devotees. They were new devotees, but they were hooked on, on, on movies. And I, I use that to illustrate that so many people have their things that they worship. You see? We worship Krishna by... Uh, serving Krishna and the devotees. And uh, uh, other people worship uh, Maya by being excited about Maya. But as soon as you go see this movie, this new movie, now it's an old movie. And, and some people, they'll, they'll go back time after time, you don't see it. And uh, sooner or later, I would hope, you would get to the point where it's just another movie. It's just... Actually, though, on that topic, some people will try to uh, uh, glorify uh, 
excuse me, something like a, a Star Wars movie or something that they're uh, that they particularly particularly like. You see, so they will see it again and again and again, and for years they'll still worship this movie. So, which is very un hard for us to understand, you know, as devotees. But the material world has so little to offer that we see people that are fixated on some uh, small, small things. Some people will uh, engage their minds, their, their memory, in memorizing all kinds of sports statistics. You know, they, they know who hit the most home runs in the, in the National League in baseball in 1957. And, you know, can you imagine? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> yes, probably. You know, who won the World Series in this year and that year? And who was the most valuable player? They know all this stuff. They commit it to memory, which is very sad for the devotee. Here, we're struggling to uh, commit to memory verses of the Bhagavatam, you see. Verses of Bhagavad Gita, Chaitanya Charitamrita, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, so that we can be uplifted and go back home back to Godhead. And then you have some poor soul who's devoted his, his human brain into memorizing statistics from things that happened years and years ago. Uh, trivia is, is very popular. To know things that mean nothing is very common and very popular. How did we ever get in this situation? How did human beings ever get to the point that they're memorizing things that have little to no meaning? That's why it's, it's trivial. That's why it's called trivia. And they're proud that they know more trivia than you do. This is insanity. It's absolute insanity. And people... Uh, I noticed as I, as I travel around, sometimes people will start to, uh, you know, listening to folks in our group. They'll be talking about, uh, you know, some, something, you know, uh, something trivial. I don't know. You know. Uh, the next thing you know, one of them's got their phone out and they, they've looked it up on the internet. And they say, no, actually, it was this, 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 and yada, yada, yada. You know, so just so that you know. That particular show was in 1962, and it ran for six years. So what? So what? Who really cares? You know, but they really care, and it, and they feel very happy and very proud of themselves that they have uh, a little portable device that they can look up trivial things that don't mean anything, which is you know. Being able to look up trivial things that don't mean anything is proof positive that I need that device. Isn't it? <laughs> Why do you need that? Well, I can look up trivial things that don't mean anything. They think they're finding the truth. Exactly. Yeah. They're looking for the truth. You see. In other words, they're looking for Krishna. They're looking for Krishna. They're looking for the truth. What is the truth? The truth is, I'm servant eternally of Mukunda. I'm an eternal servant of Krishna. That's the truth. Other than that, what's the truth? You see, if I can't focus on that truth, and I'm, it's not like thinking, uh, okay, now, uh, okay, 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 yeah, I'm servant of God. Okay, now let's talk about the Yankees in uh, 1947. You see, it ricochet right off of it. You see? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm serving a God. Now let's take that and put it in the closet and close the door and go on with what I really like to do. Let's do the things that... Let's have some fun now that we've talked about being a servant of God. We've all agreed about that. Now let's, let's get on to some really fun... Things. Let's, let's, let's really make some good use of our human brains. Which basically is just seeing if my handheld device is going to work better and faster than yours. 
you know, but we're both looking for the answer to some trivial question on our phone or uh, whatever. And if mine works faster than yours, then I'm smarter than you are. I dominate. I'm dominating. Why? Because I've got an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever, you see? And I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm dominating over you. Why? My device is better than yours. Yeah, it's insanity. It's insanity. So, somehow or other, um, we have to engage these people. You see? We have to engage them, their memory cap capability. We have to engage their speaking, their desire to speak. They want to talk, talk, talk. They want to make point after point. Okay, we can engage that propensity in Krishna's service. You see? We can even engage your little handheld device. You could use it for preaching. So, you know, we're not saying toss your iPhone or your uh, Galaxy S3 or 4, whatever you have. We're not saying toss it. Bring it. Come on. Bring your human body. Bring your handheld device. And now let's engage it. Let's engage your senses. We're not saying stop tasting wonderful things. Stop smelling wonderful things. Don't see anything. So don't, we're not saying disengage your senses. We're saying, no, come and really totally engage your senses. You see, we want to, we want to offer you an opportunity to really have fun. And Krishna consciousness is fun. There was this thing I saw on, on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you I, there for a while, I didn't think Facebook was going to work for me because there was a lot of nonsense. But after a while, you, it seems like you get in with the right crowd, and there's a lot of nice things on on it. It's a, it's a nice thing to to consult uh, for an uplift. It, it's uplifting, and most of the people that usually post nonsense things, I've blocked them, or you know, <laughs> I don't get their stuff anymore. But there was something on there recently about one should meditate on the smile of Krishna. We should meditate on Krishna's smile, you see. And uh, I was thinking, if, you, if you're meditating on the smile of the deity, the beautiful mouth uh, of Krishna, uh, it puts you in such a sweet mood. And if you try that, if you try doing that, in a, in a short time you'll find yourself laughing. It'll make you laugh. If you meditate on the smile of the Lord, it'll make you laugh. You see. So, um, uh, devotional service should be done. Uh, in a, it should be done joyfully. It's a joyous activity. We enjoy doing it. See, we're all actually the devotees are always enjoying. If you're not enjoying, then you're not doing something right. Probably, if you're not enjoying, you're in mind. You know, as soon as you're not thinking, wow, this is a great, I'm having a great time, you're in some sort of maya, maya. maybe minor, but you're in a little bit of maya. Okay. So, you should probably uh, see if there's any questions, comments. We're at the slot we made four or five weeks ago, and uh, we were kind of staying late. <clears throat> the later you stay, the more the people that you tend to talk to are going to usually be intoxicated. You know? So this one guy came up, he, he identified himself as double-fisted because he had two beers. Because we're out going off on a boat and he said, I'm double-fisted double here, I can't take care of him. But he was a pastor's son, it was really interesting. He was really intoxicated, he was attracted to the devotees. And uh, he just wanted to talk about spiritual life. And um, he said uh, he was really, really suffering. He had just taken a bus ride. He was promised a job somewhere. He was in a bus for 57 hours. He went somewhere, had to come back. When he went there, he said, sorry, you know, the job is filled or something. But he had to come back. He didn't say where he went. To somewhere up north, I think. Wow. Anyway, so he was... Uh, very frustrated, intoxicated, but very friendly. And so he said, I'm a pastor, son. He said, but the way I, I, what I really like 
is God over there and me over here. This is, this is what I want. God over there, me over here. Mm -hmm. So I said, I said, I said, and I was just thinking about that when you're talking about how we talk about the servant God. Let's talk about something really interesting. Yeah. So I said to him, I said, Christian, help me. I said, the reason you're thinking like that is because you don't see any relevance to having a relationship with God. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, so unless we can explain to people why, what is the relevance, no one's going to be interested. And I was also thinking when you were saying that you're talking about the, the Hathio practitioners, you know, what is it? You know, like we were on Sacred Time yesterday. So we were talking to someone, he goes, there's a book about yoga. She goes, I used to do it. And he said, do you do yoga? She goes, well, I used to do yoga, but now I do Pilates. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's that? It's a, it's a similar, it's a workout. Oh, oh. It's an exercise regimen. But it was nothing spiritual about it whatsoever. Oh, I used to do yoga, now I do Pilates, and tomorrow I'll do Kung Fu or something. You know, you know, chi-ching. <clears throat> but I was just thinking when you were talking that, because we talk, we meet a lot of people, we have a lot of friends that are into yoga that visit here. You know, they'll come here on Sunday occasionally, they'll come for a gymnostomy, but they're just very peripheral. Mm -hmm. But um, I was just thinking when you said that real, real yoga means to develop a relationship with Mukunda, become a servant. That is exactly what they do not want to hear. Exactly. That is exactly like when we go when we go to talk on Sunday. We have a program. We chant at a friend's house, and they're all into yoga and so certain We have to be very careful what we say. Because you start talking like that, and you talk about the reservoir of pleasure and chanting, that's fine. They love to chant. Yeah. Start talking about becoming a servant of Krishna, surrendering your life to God. You talk, you know, you know. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to hear. No. No. <clears throat> but they'll chant Hare Krishna, how do you deal with that? Well, they're willing to chant Hare Krishna, they love the devotees, they love Prashada. You start talking about philosophy. Some of them, some of them like that. You can talk uh, certain kinds of philosophy, certain parts of the philosophy with them. You can, um, in many cases, discuss pastimes. Krishna right. Leela. Right. You know? Right. So and, yeah. And after a little while of hearing Leela, they might be ready to want to serve this in other words, if I want you to serve somebody, you know, I want you to serve my friend Fred. Surrender to Fred. Okay, well, who is he? Tell me something about the guy. I, first of all, I surrender surrender to anybody. Oh, but he's a great guy. He's, he's standing, you see what I mean? So before you're going to get me, otherwise, now what you're what what we're doing in the West, all of us have been browbeaten by the fear of God. You know, our parents used to describe people as a, you know, if he's a good person, I'm talking about somebody, they're a good person, a good God-fearing man. He's a good God-fearing man. You ever heard that? Yeah. That's in America they talk like that. You see, you've heard it from the South, I know. <laughs> you know. They're saying it right now in Chattanooga, I guarantee you. Somebody's saying it right now. So, uh, so, so they've got this fear thing. All right, that's etched in our psyche. It's in our mind subconsciously. This fear of God. You talk fear. Uh, if you talk God, there's a, there's fear comes in there too. We don't know anything about him. He's all powerful. I really don't want to get on his bad side. I'd rather not even talk about the guy. I'd rather enjoy his kingdom without him. You know, I want this place, and I want him to go away. All right, you created it, and you did your thing. Now. Go do whatever it is you do away from me, you see. So, to get them to have some attraction, we need to tell them about Him. And once they hear about Krishna, you know, and, and not in a preachy way, in a, in a religious way, you know, and not in a way that uh, uh, reminds them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 
something other than what we're used to in this world, in this uh, Western world, the way religion is presented, is a turnoff for most of the population. It's a big turnoff. I remember when I used to go to uh, uh, Baptist church, there was a lot of shouting. The minister would be shouting. There were threats. If you don't do this, you will burn in hell for eternity. Do you know that you'll be burning? And I might come to see you and you'll beg me to stick my finger in water and just touch it to your tongue. I mean, they would go on and on about how horrible hell is. And say nothing about the attraction of God. It's the negative side. You had better do this or you will suffer. And they would paint that suffering picture so big that you'd be scared. I was scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Then I'd go home and pray and say, hey, God, I hope we're okay. I mean, you know, um, she was, if I do anything wrong, I want you to forgive me right away. You know? <laughs> I didn't know what to do, you know. But I had no attraction. I had no attraction. I thought, man, I'd better pray. Because this guy is really heavy. But it wasn't like I'm praying because I want to praise him. You know, this kind of, uh, you know, like I would ex explain to, to somebody, really, you know, this kind of uh, uh, belief, they stay stagnant. Mm. Stagnant, they never, because now the young, the young, the young generation now, they're very smart. Yeah. They go, they stay stagnant. The Krishna was, we, you know, she never been, she never been, Never be sad, they never go. That's a, that's a good point. The, the, the newer generation that we're dealing with, they're highly intelligent. Many of them are turning towards atheism because of the way religion, because of the way God has been presented to them. They're saying, I'm, I don't have to deal with it. Of course, they're arrogant, too. You know, they're intelligent and they're arrogant. Yeah. They, like, they like Buddhism. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody's shouting at you. They're not telling you you're going to burn in hell. They're not trying to force you to do whatever. You know, we do just the opposite. Let's show Krishna. You know, get them to, to know a little bit about Krishna. This is Krishna. It's a picture of Krishna. Oh, who's the girl he's with? Oh, that's his external image. It's a loving affair. Love, huh? Yeah, Krishna is all about love. They become attracted to the loving relationship that we have with Krishna, you see. And then, once they know him a little bit, once you get some knowledge of him, you may develop a little bit of attraction. It's kind of attractive. Well. What we believe is that if we serve him out of love, well, I mean, and we serve him because we love him, we don't see the whole connotation of it's negative, of service. If I serve you, then I'm putting you above me, and you know maybe you're forcing me to. I'm a slave, or your uh, minimum wage. You know why are you asking? You know why are you recruiting people to serve Krishna? You know, are the, is the is the um, the border patrol really heavy there? And there's not many illegal Im immigrants in the spiritual world, so there's not any any people to cut the grass or anything. <laughs> you know, you can't find people to do the servant work and the, the menial labor. So why are you recruit? Is that what is going on up there? So you're you're looking for people to go up there and clean houses and toilets and cut grass. You see, that's kind of like you're at, this word servant. Ooh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be a servant. I want servants. I don't want to be a servant to, to anybody. I don't bow down. How many times have you heard this? I don't bow down to anybody. You see? Arrogance, even in the face of God. I would rather he be over there, like that guy was telling you. I wish he I want him to be over there doing his thing. And I'll be over here doing my thing on his turf. 
Yeah, it's his turf, but okay, so he created it. Now you can just leave. Of course, it's good if he maintains it. I need rain and certain things. But I'd like him to maintain it. In other words, I really would like him to kind of serve me. You see, I don't want to serve him. But we have to redefine service to people like that. That word needs to be redefined. Maybe we need a different word that doesn't have a negative connotation because uh, people who are in love serve each other. It's an act of love. Service is an act of love. When you're in, when you're in love with somebody, you want to do something for them. You actually want to be their servant. You want to make them happy. You see? So we have to bring in the element of love and talk more about the loving relationship with Krishna and explain to them why we're attracted to serving this wonderful sweetheart of a personality. Yep. I just have to ask you, so the thing is that Christianity, yeah, there's the hellfire and the brimstone, but there's also Christians who preach about the love of Jesus, a personal personal relationship with Jesus. So what's separate for, for what would separate us from that? All right, let's go with that. Describe it. Yeah, that's what I say to them when I Describe that love of Jesus. Yeah. Come on, I've got, i got time. Let's. What do you mean describe? Just tell me that. In other words, you probably heard it more than me. It's something to say. It's like a lot of times they say, "Praise the Lord." Or, what do you mean, praise the Lord? You know, it's like saying if he's hungry. And, and I say, feed Ananta. And you say, yes, feed Ananta. We all say, feed Ananta. But you're still hungry. When are we going to start feeding him? All right, so we praise, we say, praise the Lord. All right, when are you going to start? It's like when somebody says to you, hurry bowl. Okay, start now. When are you going to start? Are you just going to say it or are you going to do it? No, but, they, but they have gospel music. They have... Songs and praise of Jesus, you know, it is a plethora. Of but it's, it lasts a few seconds. They can't go more than a minute or two of praise. What's the praise? But they sing no. They sing gospel songs and praise of Jesus. I know, I know. Yeah, but it's you know, it's it's usually something like uh, you know, I come to the garden alone, and the dew is still on the roses, and the, uh, but then Jesus is there, and the joy we share. Uh, is like none, none is, is uh, no, none other has ever known. I remember that one. Uh, it's, it's kind of praise, but I mean, tell me something about this love. Tell me. Well, he died for you. No, no, no. It's got to be more than that. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Tell I, me about it. I just, like, I have a tell me about it. See? Well, that's what they say. I, I know they say that, but when you say, tell them, tell me about it. What is, well, what, well, what do they say then? When you say that, what do they say? They usually talk a, a few seconds and, and, and change the subject. Well, it means when they're having a hard time, they, they talk to Jesus. Right. He comes. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. When I, you know, I want daily bread, I'll, he's the first guy on my list. When I want something, you know, I'll call him. Well, they have yeah. So they try to think about what would Jesus do. All right, do. but how is that praising them? <clears throat> oh, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And then now, here's the real trick. And you say, okay, what about God? What about God the Father? Tell me something they're about the Him. They're the same. Okay, no, they're, they're, they're not. They are and they aren't at the same time. But there is a separate personality, although they are the same, but they're, they're simultaneously one and different. So... You can tell me about, if, if you can tell me about Jesus, then you should be able to tell me about the Father as well as the Holy Spirit. But we're going to put that on hold. Tell me about the Father. I read a prayer poem yesterday in the Chaitanya Charitamrita when Prabhupada said, what he was talking about. But he said that the Son is the representative of the Father. They're not different. 
And then he said, even Christian theology, we can see that the Son and the Father are the same. They're yeah. identical. He did say that, though. But they, they That's true. But yet, you can tell me something about your Father, can't you? Sure. So they're the same, but they're different. But it's funny, he didn't say that, though. He said, he said they're identical. He didn't say they're the same. They're yeah. He said they're identical. Well, it's a higher level of understanding that we have uh, presented in the Vedas, you see. Uh, for whatever reason, it was decided that it, uh, and I'm, I'm finding this out from uh, uh, Bhakta Jorge. He's telling me some things. You know, Jesus wasn't, wasn't considered God until later on. Yeah, like the 90s. <laughs> yeah, you know, later on, you know, I forget. Later on in the Bible, in the beginning, he wasn't. He was the Son of God. He actually, he said he's the Son of Man. What is that? I don't know what that means. I'm not sure. I'm going to talk with him and learn more about it. Because <laughs> sure. He's very well, he, he knows so much, you know. But, in, and he knows the history of the Bible. You see. Yeah. In humility, so, so that's very offensive what they say that Jesus Christ is God. Because how, if, if God, if Jesus Christ was God, how he could be, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, God could be nearly in the, in your by men, huh? Yeah. That's offensive. Is it what I mean? How, how, how come the real creature can put God in the, in the, in the like Yeah. We, we notice even when Krishna was a baby, you know, he was, he was killing demons. The demons couldn't, they yeah. came to kill Krishna again and again and again. You know, big, powerful, bigger than life, demons. And Krishna just like, just by sucking the breast of the demon. I mean, something simple like that as a baby. We're talking as a as an infant. So, would they have loved, Kamsa would he have loved to nail Krishna on a cross? He would have loved it. If he thought he could have done it, he would have walked over there and done it. But he was afraid. Now you could say, Kamsa was a good God-fearing man. Huh? <laughs> he was afraid to go mess with, with this Krishna. Alright, he's a good, he's a God-fearing man. You know. All right, I think we'll let's wrap it up this afternoon. We'll we'll get into it more later on. Thank you so much. All boys, Shil Prabhupada.